Marker one. All right. We got our markers in. Markers are in. You love markers, Mike. We should let Mike do the marker one day. I don't think you can handle that perfection. <laughs> Is that what the P in Michael P. Davis stands for? Perfection? Yeah. I'm sure that's what my parents were thinking. 48 crack race drivers are weak for word. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Seconds drag until they hear, gentlemen, start your engine. Eighty thousand wild people cheer. Forty-eight determined men toward the starting flag. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. I'm your host, and Mike Davis, my co-host, is here. Matthew Dillner, Leah, we're all in the house. Justin Algar is the guest today. It's going to be a great show. Ask Jr., presented by Xfinity. Let's get started. The chips are down. This is it. They're off. Reese driving. Reese driving. It's the Dale Jr. Download. The best fan in car will win. All right, Mike. So, uh, pretty awesome weekend for Junior Motorsports. Justin Algar wins both races. Uh, that surprised the hell out of me. We won uh, with filter time on the car. <laughs> and I joked with my co-owner in that business, Blake Cook, that we are now winning uh, sponsors yeah. in NASCAR. Something, I mean, I've wanted to accomplish everything in NASCAR, but winning sponsor wasn't on the list just because I never thought that I would own a business that would be sponsoring a car. It's kind of funny because all of my Twitter career, whenever I'd say, hey, man, that driver's pretty good, people would chime in and go, you should sponsor him. <laughs> <laughs> you should sponsor him, Dale Jr. Right. Right. <laughs> Put him in Junior Motorsports and sponsor him. Right. I'm like, well, I don't. I'm not a That's sponsor because I'm not a owner of a business. I'm the car owner. I, yeah. I I need the sponsor part. That's yeah. how this works. But now I'm the sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost wanted to go change your Wikipedia bio to be like Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a race winning sponsor in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. He's also won two Daytona 500s in his career. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I I know we're. We're bending, bending the truth just a little bit, no? Huh? No, no, we're not bending the truth. We're yeah. just not sharing the whole truth, right? The okay. whole truth is that you're like, there, there's a majority owner of, of Filter Time. Sure. That's not you. Yeah. But we'll talk about Blake Cook in another episode. This <laughs> one's all about you <laughs> and your contribution to the win as a sponsor. <laughs> so that was pretty amazing. To The Filter Time car is Okay, you know we, Blake and Blake comes to me and it's like, hey, you want to uh, do a couple social media posts for me? I'm starting this business about filters to uh, to mail filters to to people to so they can change out their filters because nobody does it. And uh, he's so right. And I'm like, oh man, this will be great. I want to, I want, I want to, I want to be a bigger part of this. So I decided to be a partner in the business. So we we worked all that out. The business is going, uh, growing like crazy. Yep. And um, uh, we had the filter time car in the 
iRacing NASCAR kind of thing. That's we did. right. Yeah. That's right. When the when the COVID was in full effect, yeah. you ran. So that was pretty cool to be mm-hmm. able to put it on on national television in front of people doing that. It's actually been on the Xfinity car before we raced it at Kentucky, I believe, last year. So yeah, but we you know we, it was on the car this weekend, and I'm like, oh, that's it's neat. Then he goes and wins. So <laughs> it's neater, big time, <laughs> cool. And now uh, there's a race winning diecast people can get. Yeah. Oh, so, so oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So <laughs> there's a car out there. We're gonna make a diecast out of it. You know us. <laughs> well, How you about can't. the hat trick, by the way, for Junior Motorsports yeah. this weekend? Three wins this weekend because of Josh Berry. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, it's been good. Yeah. Josh went to Hickory and they ran doubles and he won one and didn't win the other. Um, yeah, but you didn't sponsor that car, so I don't even know why we're talking about it. We're talking, this is about sponsorship yeah. here. This is about you as a <laughs> Pace car heads to pit road. The flag will wave the green flag. Another, another first in this weekend was the fact that I got to host the Xfinity race on Saturday. They had, two, uh, they had the two Xfinity races, the one with the filter time car on Friday. I got to watch on, on TV at home. And uh, then went into the booth on Saturday and got to host the race. So what's what's that? What what's different about that, right? I'd ask the same question. When you're watching a broadcast, and for years I really never knew the difference between the roles of the people up in the booth, but they all have a responsibility, and it's a little bit different. And you obviously can tell that when we're doing the races on TV, Rick brings us in and out of commercials. Rick Allen. Rick Allen brings us in out in and out of commercials. He has a responsibility that me and Latard and Burton, we're not even going to touch. We don't want nothing to do with it. You know, the promo reads, reading the billboards, that's kind of like, you know, NASCAR brought to you by Toyota, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's a, you know, NFL game they want to promote, Rick's going to read that. All those things, right, uh, are Rick's responsibility. And he does the play-by-play. He's going to call pretty much all the restarts when they get to the, the restart zone. or He's going to call all of the last laps. Literally, uh, you know, as, as the cars are getting down to like three or two to go, Rick sort of takes over. And he has a – he has somewhat of a script or a story – about every driver that could possibly win that race. And mm. when we get down within three or two laps to go, he pulls that page out of that driver that he thinks is winning, and he starts to read the bullet points Okay. about that particular driver Okay. to, to boister this, this moment huh. of victory, right? Right. Whatever tribulations and trials that this guy's been through, right. whatever might have happened that day or that week, uh, whatever you know, whatever it right. is, he's got notes and he's gonna read it off as that guy's circling the track in the final couple laps. They get the white flag presented by Credit One Bank. He's got to read that, yeah. right? That's a paid advertisement that that he has to take care of. We can't be me and Burton and Latart can't be jibber jabbering in <laughs> that the sponsor. in that yeah. moment, yeah. right? And then Rick's going to call him to the finish line, and we sort of stop. We sort of bow out. Now, if there's some kind of crash or something wild happening, we can chime in with real genuine reaction, but otherwise, it's kind of Rick's role. Well, I got to do that job for the Xfinity race, and I was super nervous. I did a lot of preparation. I called Rick, chatted with him, texted back and forth a bunch about different things and questions. Learned so I learned a lot from Rick, and, I, and all of this really makes me appreciate rick allen and how good he is and Mm. how important he is to the booth he's our leader 
in the booth. And, um, and, you know, so when we're, when we get to do these jobs, though, it helps us understand. And why do, why do they do these why jobs? Do, well, yeah, why, why does NBC mix it around? Yeah. I think NBC just likes to try things, right? See, try new things, but they also like to challenge us and they want us also, there's probably a small part that they want us to understand and appreciate that role and that mm. job, right? And it helps me become a better analyst knowing now what Rick's accomplishing and trying to accomplish in each each thing he's doing. It helps me understand when I need to keep quiet, when I when when you know what's coming next and um and it helps me understand too when my holes are to jump in the conversation better. See all see all that a lot more clearly. Just, you know, every year once a year they send you down into the garage area to be a pit reporter during practice i get i've, I've done that for two years in at michigan during the summer it's nerve-wracking as hell i bet you're only really on camera like three or four times the practice is an hour tops it goes by super fast but it's you're so out of your element you know and their role and their job is so unlike what we do in the booth uh, it's very foreign feeling, and uh, I, I like that NBC sort of challenges us and puts us in them positions, and I think they do that particular thing where they put us in the, the garage as a pit reporter strictly to show us how hard that job is to appreciate our pit reporters, to appreciate what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to bring to the experience of the race itself. Their role is tough. Mm -hmm. They're running up and down pit road. they got a billion stories, a lot of things happening on the fly also that they have to cover and handle they got to try to jump they got to create their opportunities to be a part of the broadcast mm -hmm. whereas i'm sitting in the booth and i just react right the 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 pit reporters are running up and down pit road grabbing looking for stories. information and yeah. stories and they ha if they don't hustle they're not going to bring an opportunity to tv or bring themselves to tv and they'll you'll not they'll disappear mm -hmm. right they'll disappear in the broadcast you can do that in the booth if you're not careful but my point, I guess, is is, is the hustle from the pit, ro pit reporters is something I really learned to appreciate that I didn't even know existed. Right? I didn't even know that they were they were they were grinding that hard as I was a driver all those years. They were just there doing a job. I'm curious because I I know also how difficult the radio style broadcast for NBC were. Was the play by play that you did this weekend in any way similar to the radio style broadcasting? Because you're 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 saying a lot. You're saying way more words first yeah. of all. And radio style is not. I don't really like doing the radio style because it's harder. When you're in the booth and there's especially when there's four of you in there. There's never a moment during the race when everybody looks at you and goes, okay, go. Go talk, talk. You basically just sit there and say anything whenever you feel like saying it. There's, there's, it's just spontaneous, what, whatever's happening. In radio style, the cars are going around the track, and you know when they get to a certain point that you have to talk. Yeah. The mic's going to be yours, and then here you go. It's like getting pushed out on stage. And it can't be no difference from the last lap. They are still single file, 10 car lengths apart. <laughs> right. It can't. Over yeah. to you, Marty. <laughs> every time, every time's got to be something different and unique. Yeah. Um, what you're describing. So it's a challenge. I don't like being out of the booth and away from the technology and the tools. Uh, when we do the uh, radio style, we I guess the only place I really have enjoyed it is at the Glen uh, because it's beautiful. 
um, it's a great you know it's not a it's not a bad perspective to be uh, sitting down there in the in the bus stop all day. And the action where I'm at, my particular spot, is pretty pretty busy. The bus stop. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I you know where Jeff is, it's maybe not so busy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's less enjoyable for me if I was over there. I don't really enjoy the radio style though. At at Indy or other places that we've tried it, yeah, um, I'd rather be in the booth talking, talking when we're doing ovals and stuff. So okay, I got. I mean, I've fired away questions at Dale uh, because I made a point not to do that uh, after the race. I wanted to save it for the show. So oh, okay. not only are you doing play by play, but now your team wins, and I know the conflict that you all always have uh, of being a broadcaster uh, and having to be fair and be uh, balanced perceived as balance uh, when you have cars that you own yeah was that any more difficult for you as a play-by-play announcer well no being the play-by-play guy didn't make it harder the fact that we were winning just makes it harder yeah um i don't think it would have been any different more difficult less difficult being in any position in the booth but when our cars are doing so well you know there was a moment in the race i think it was early i think Noah was, I think Noah was up front, and I said something about, you know, this this is the time of the year where you want your team, if you're the owner, you want your team to peak at this particular time. So I got a little bit too close to it at that moment. Mm. Um, I try to completely steer all away from any kind of emotions I'm having as an owner, and don't bring that onto the broadcast. And I got a, I got close to it a couple times. That one time, I felt like I got a little bit too close to it, or brought the fans that are watching don't want that part, don't want that in the broadcast. They don't want that ownership. Uh, you cheer and rah 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 for your team or anything like that to happen on the broadcast. They don't want really any ties or any kind of connection to to that uh, happening. So I try to stay as far away from them as I can. Uh, sometimes we're kind of forced to talk about it, but. Um, well, especially if you're calling the last lap of a victory, like that was Junior, that was Junior Motorsports' fiftieth win, right there. That was there. that. I felt like I did. That was easy. Okay. Yeah. There was one time though. I kind of got prompted about the pace of the Junior Motorsports cars, at, and and the seven and the nine were running good, and I was like, well, it's it's the owner. <laughs> you have. To, oh, it, I thought you were going to say it's got to be the ownership that's kept making those cars fast. Yeah, I was like, as the, as the owner, this is the time of year where you want your team to be peaking and and going into the playoffs. Gotcha. We want to have them. Every, you know, it's weird about the ebb and flow of the teams, like the '98 uh, Chase Briscoe dominating, winning six, seven races or whatever, and then uh, Cindric coming on, and then now the seven cars won a couple of races. I'm like, well, if you're the owner, you just, it's the time of year you want your team to peak. You want them, you so, want them to be winning now. And so I was like, Ooh, I got a little close to it there. Yeah, but, but that's, that's owning it. I mean, like you can't, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a constant conflict that I know you struggle. I'll be with. honest, you know, look, looking at the feedback, I was more worried about, was it just good or bad commentating and hosting? Yeah. And didn't read or didn't even think to read anything about the ownership side of it so apparently for most people uh it didn't bother them that i was owner of a couple of the cars and one of the cars that won the race do you you want to know the the one thing that like i love the creativity that nbc sports does and the way they're mixing it up (laughs) and and you explaining why they do it is also necessary in, in good good context i don't like the opportunities it creates for trolls to pick apart other members of the of the broadcast team I hate that part. Yeah. 
And, and because and it's like you just said, you're looking for it's either good or it's bad. I think that that's extremism that, that just comes through social media. And that's either it's going to be God. They're looking for two things, God awful. And so somebody must, you know, somebody's so, responsible. So, somebody, for that. somebody must apologize or own up to why it was God awful or it was fantastic. And therefore, somebody must make changes to make it fantastic every week or yeah. something like that. And it's like, why can't it just be good and also be for Reasons like appreciating all the responsibilities. I mean, what you're saying right here is that you relied on Rick for, for just in your preparation, and then you have a new understanding of all of the responsibility that Rick has just because you've been in that situation. Why can't that be enough? Why can't that be okay? That's just that's the only yeah. thing that bothers me uh, well, about I'm, that. Yeah, and I'll do the – I did the, the hosting on, on uh, Saturday morning – or Saturday around lunch for the Xfinity race, and immediately after that, Rick steps in, and we do a cup race with him hosting. And, I mean, it was like it was night and day listening to him do it. I prepared. I literally almost wrote down every single word I was going to say all the way from the open to the green flag. Wow. I mean, welcome to Richmond Raceway for NASCAR Xfinity Action. The Virginia is for Racing Lovers 250 here at, here in Richmond, Virginia, I'm Dylan Hart Jr. All the things from that moment all the way to the green flag, the invocation, and what I was going to say, teeing up Burton for the uh, to speak to the driver during the pace laps, what I was going to say to tee up Dale Jarrett to mention the in-car cameras and who those sponsors were. Everything was hand – I had it handwritten exactly how I wanted to say it. Mm -hmm. And I prepared as hard as I could – and uh, then Rick comes in there and just does it so effortlessly, and it's just uh, it, it it was it's just man, it, it's a great experience. I got a long, long way to go to get to where I want to be. I hope to get more opportunities to host a couple of Xfinity races next year. I doubt I'll do it. I doubt they'll let me have another one this year. But next year would be awesome to host a race or two, and continue to uh, to work on that. I, I thought. Um, you know, I'd love to to get better at that, um, and the only way I think I can is to get more opportunities to do it. But I don't, uh, I don't want to do a cup race. I no. would not want to host. No, I don't think I'd want to host a cup race until um, I got much, much better yeah. at it. Got a lot more comfortable That's with fair. it because it's just too big of a moment. And it's too important. Yeah. It's too important of a, an event to to not have the best the best package you could have. And I think Rick's the guy uh, leading us. Uh, in that direction but it, it was it was fun i'm glad you enjoyed it yeah all right we're live okay so we're going to shake things up a little bit before we get to justin algar who will be here in a bit let's go to my favorite part of the show every week that's right it's ask junior brought to you by our friends at xfinity podcast partner and premier partner of nascar let's hear what you sent to xfinity racing on twitter leavon is here with the questions let's go First question coming from Justin Bennett about uh, the race this past weekend in Richmond. Do you think that races need cautions or accidents to be a good race? As we saw on Saturday, there were comers and goers. The tire had fall off and we had multiple leaders. The crew chiefs had to make their money with the right strategy. I loved the race. I had a lot of fun calling it. I thought it was really interesting. Also, and would have enjoyed there, uh, you know, being other drama involved, but there wasn't. Uh, but it was I, I when the race was over, once we got near the end, about 
you know, I don't know, 20 to go or something like that. So up until that point, up until everything was pretty much decided, when there was questions in the air, when there was pit strategy and those things sort of playing themselves out, tires and, and all that, that was really interesting. Guys were short pitting all night long, trying to get to pit road and, and leapfrogging each other into the lead and doing all these interesting things. And then I think everybody was pretty much entertained, at least I was, until we figured everything out. You know, with 40, 20 laps to go, we're like, okay, well, it looks like Brad's going to win. You know, if the caution doesn't come out, it, Brad should win this race and and everybody else is going to finish, you know, about where they are. Uh, that's when the wind kind of went out of the sails a little bit, so to speak, but that's okay. That just happens in racing. I mean, if we... I tell you what, I mean, if we want to talk, if we want to call that a boring race, then that would mean about 80% of the races in the history of the sport are boring because the majority of the races in, in my lifetime played out kind of like that race played out, you know, with that said, I definitely am up for some ideas or some change. I think that Richmond was a much more exciting racetrack when they were sealing the surface of the racetrack. Uh, the sealer is, you know, just like any sealer you see on asphalt on the highway or I just seal my driveway or whatever, right? Uh, they put this stuff down and it's kind of tacky, especially when, you know, the cars, when you drive a race car around it, 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 it came it's grippy but it wears away and it takes a while for it to wear away but as it wears away from the predominant groove which at richmond is the bottom you start to chase it or go looking for it up the racetrack like the cushion moving up the track at a dirt race and so over the years Cars are going higher and higher and higher trying to get into that sealer and get a little bit of, you know, that good good grip that that bottom groove has, has lost. And that, to me, was what made Richmond just so much fun. And they quit sealing it. About how long ago? I don't even know, Mike. Yeah. But they haven't sealed it in a long time, okay. a while. So I feel like that that would change the way the – racing is at richmond now the drivers when you first seal a track i have to say this when you first seal a track the it's not going to feel very good uh the drivers are not going to like it and um so when, if they were to if they were to seal the track my prediction would be you'd get a lot of complaining right out of the gate it's slick it's slippery it's funky unpredictable but as they kind of kind of work that sealer in after an event it would be it would be an improvement beyond right and it would become better and better and more of a racier racetrack the sealer now you're thinking in your mind well why don't they just use the pj1 that sounds pretty much like the same thing but it's not and the application of the pj1 to me is uh, kind of overused and, and misused in a lot of ways it needs this heat and, and needs this activation for it needs the cars to to run on it to to kick it in the gear and make it work and then a, attracts marbles 
it's like fly tape, uh, you know, and, and flies, you know, that you'll, so the groove then where the, where the PJ one is that you want the cars to go into is now dirty and, and, and full of gr- grit and crap. So I don't like the PJ one anymore. I, uh, I think that when you, if you put that on your racetrack, you're making a, making a mistake. Uh, the sealer would be a very risky thing to do because, you know, there's going to be a hand. If you go back and read any article about any track that got sealed back in the 90s or whatever, the drivers immediately complained about it because it feels funky when it's brand new and uh, when the sealer's kind of new. The other part is how does this tire that we have today react to sealer? I don't even know. None of us do. We do know how the tires in the past had reacted to sealer, and and you can't assume that today's tire would do the exact same thing. So that's it. That's how I feel about Richmond. I may may have missed a few things that <laughs> popped into my head over the weekend. That oh man, I would try this. I would try that. But all right, our next question coming from Randy Mitchell. He uh, was listening to Door Bumper Clear this week, and TJ Majors mentioned that he mm. and Steve Latar used to talk about you on yeah. Channel 2. Did you know any of that was going yes. on? So <laughs> that TJ let the cat out of the bag years ago when uh, he said that him and Lance McGrew would get in arguments on Channel 2 uh, about it, either how I was driving or um, whatever. And so I knew, you know, th- that there was a lot of conversation going on on that second channel um, that I wasn't going to be able to listen to. And it is what it is. I mean, they, if, you know, I feel like that having that second channel is helpful because the, there's a lot of conversation that the spotter and the crew chief need to have that doesn't need to uh, bother the driver. If the, you know, if the crew chief wants to say, I can't see the whole track spotter. Where is the leader running? Is he running the high side now? Uh, I can get that information without bothering the race car driver who's going around the track. You know, and, and if they want to have chit-chat, conversation about who they need to run into or (laughs) how bad the driver did on that last restart, then they can do that too. I don't think it's all that helpful. Like when TJ chimed in and said over their second channel, uh, Joey couldn't hear this, (laughs) uh, but he said, hey, you know, next time maybe we'll run into the two car. I don't know that that is, that adds nothing to uh, the conversation and TJ or all spotters are kind of guilty of that. Drivers are guilty of that. Uh, crew chiefs rarely jump in the radio and go, you know, that, that, you know, that sucked or next time we'll do X, Y, and Z. Uh, drivers do this all the time, you know, um, complain about their teammates or whatever. But, um, I think when the spotters do it, it's, it's kind of counterproductive because it kind of, I just my opinion. I'm not. I'm not picking on TJ, but but he's that was how this whole thing came up on DBC because yes. you called it out on the broadcast. I did I not guess? call it out. What, what were they so, talking about then? Well, no, I meant I I I commented on a radio broadcast of TJ. He's on the second channel, and he so Brad goes. Brad Kozlowski goes down the corner and missed the bottom a little bit and just slides up. And Joey saw it and reacted to it 
like, oh, man, he's going to hit me and jerked his car up the track. And Brad goes on and takes the lead. It It's something that happens all, all the time. The time. It's, not, it's just cars racing. Well, TJ comes over the second channel to the to whoever's on that, I guess the crew chief and a few other guys, and says, I think next time we should should have hit him or we could have hit him at Darlington and didn't do that or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Next, you know, if we're in that situation again, we should just run into Brad, I guess. <laughs> and so that's that's like a snarky sort of conversation. That's just a snarky comment that does nothing to help. To help, right? right? It's sort of, it's just spotters being divas. Yeah, it's a diva thing. <laughs> yes, it is. And um, TJ a diva? No, the spotters do that a lot, and the drivers can do that. I don't really ever hear it from the crew chiefs, which is odd, but. Um, you know they know better than to than to be chiming in on the radio and saying those things because they're leaders, and they don't want to put that into. They don't want to assume. They don't want the rest of the team think that that's good practice. Right, and they don't want it on radioactive. Yeah, <laughs> I just think they don't say it because they don't want to set that example for the rest of the team to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, and so anyhow, we played it on the red on the TV broadcast, and we all laughed. Ah, gotcha. Uh, Steve Latart said, oh, uh, or somebody, maybe it was Rick, said, TJ Majors is stirring the pot a little bit. And I said, never. <laughs> never would stir the pot. And we laughed. That's what funny. he was alluding to on Door Bumper Clear. I got it. He's sensitive. He is. I mean, the week before, I'm telling the whole wa- whole world how great he is <laughs> and how he's one of the best spotters out there. So he, he can he can take it. All yeah. right? He, he, learned, he needs to learn how to take it. Take a little criticism. I just um, think it's so cool that we can hear all that. Like that's such a you know a unique behind the scenes aspect. You can download the. I love it. And it's and awesome. Our broadcast listens to both channels. They're both public, and we're going to play whatever we hear on them. Even if you know whatever TJ said, the driver could not hear. Right, and that was something TJ felt was important to to let me know after the race he's like hey i would never tell joey to go do anything wreck another guy or whatever i'm not gonna jump on the radio and go joey wreck him that's a you good should, point though you should hit him next time that happens and i was like yeah it's good but i just want you to know that we hear both your channels and if you say something even remotely interesting we're gonna play it and we're not gonna give context <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's awesome all right that's it for today Man, is that it? That's it. Yeah. We were going to... Did we talk? Okay. All right. You got another one? No. I mean, I got... I just I I got more questions. When I say I like the Ask Junior segment, I really mean it. One more. One more. We got a question about football. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Washington... Washington football team. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I watched that game. Um, (laughs) Ron Rivera, they they were 17-0. to They were getting beat by Philadelphia, Martin Tricks, Junior's favorite team. And uh, the... They, we came back. We tied the game 17 and all. There was a fourth down and one near the uh, five-yard line. And instead of kicking the field goal to either tie or go ahead, we went and went for it and River got the first Ron. down. And, yeah, Riverboat Ron came out. He's like, I want to let them know I believe in them. They went on and scored a touchdown and then kicked another extra point or kicked another field goal to make it uh, a 10-point win. So I was pumped, man. It was so fun. I was sitting there, Amy's on the couch, and they're losing, and I'm like, oh. I was in such a bad mood. But they turned it around. It's awesome. So 
looking forward to the rest of the year. The defensive line is amazing. I hate to talk about it too much because there's, you know, I know a lot of people watching. I bet there's probably only like 5% Washington fans tuned into this <laughs> junior right now. <laughs> so the, for the 5% of you, you enjoyed that question and that <laughs> answer, but the rest of you are like, next. Well, that's it. I said it in the intro. This is my favorite part of the show. I love hearing from you guys. Plus, you know it's a good part of the show because it's always going by so fast. Every week it's fast. It's just like Xfinity Internet. It's extremely fast. Xfinity X5 keeps me connected. I honestly can't think of a better way to step to speed with NASCAR and Dirty Mo Media all season long. You heard it here, folks. Don't forget, Dale's here at the table every week to answer your questions. So get those brains working, get creative, and hit us up at, at Xfinity Racing on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. For a chance to hear from Dale Jr. himself. One more thing before we wrap up, Mike. A big thanks to Xfinity for being a premier partner of NASCAR. Let's get Justin Allgaier. This sounds weird. Not on Zoom. Let's get him in the studio. Ballin', ballin', yeah, I'm ballin'. And green flag is in the air. Short track racing. Walk like I talk it. You better cut me. I'm ballin', ballin'. Allgaier's gonna win again. The flag waves the green flag at the field. Comes up to speed and we are underway. The seven car is gone. I am shocked by how he's been able to drive away. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Here he comes. Justin Algar sweeps the weekend at Richmond. <laughs> winner, winner right here. Gator. Wow. This, we haven't had somebody walk in the door and sit at the table in so long. It's just, this is That's awesome. Like Kyle Petty and is, it, is this is this fun for you? This I'm telling you something, man. You take it for granted uh, all those times, and then all of a sudden you have to go Zoom for for your uh, you know almost a year. I, it is it is weird watching though. Like when you guys have to do the Zoom, it's weird to see somebody delayed, like not delayed, but like yeah, on a screen. Yeah, no, trust me, it's it's weird to have a conversation. This is why we're glad to have you. What's yeah, up? So you um, changed your schedule to be here today. I did. What, you're, what were you supposed to do? So I'm supposed to be in the simulator right now. and uh, That seems kind of counterproductive to trying to win another race. Well, <laughs> so we, 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 we got lucky. You're going to be able to get sim time? I'm worried. Yeah, like, no, I got to I gotta go back in this afternoon at like 5 o'clock and nice. stay there until. Uh, who do we so have to, not? Who did we piss off to, to uh, have you I don't assume we pissed off anybody. Well, did we? <laughs> We we got one guy from Pratt and Miller that uh, we got him a little nervous. Like, so we're not. You're gonna get your sim down. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Good. Yeah, man. All right. I and can, this is all development stuff for. I can relax for next year. Two, two years. Oh, really? Yeah. You're driving the. Yeah, the next gen deal. You're driving. Oh, hey. How's that? It's okay. How's it helping out doing that? Um, just validating. You know, like the the test plan stuff from. What they're, oh, okay, they so go they testing. go test and drive the car and then um, bring that data back and try to make the sim try to match do it. that. Yeah. Huh. All right, so we'll get into more of what we brought you in here for, but let's dive into that a little bit. I know fans probably got a lot of questions just hearing those kind of comments. So I always thought about this, too. So when I, when I started, when I was kind of fake going out, when I was retiring, the sim was coming in, and uh, they were – Basically, when you go drive the sim, well, a lot of the work you were doing was trying to fix the sim. You know, 
<laughs> make the tires right or make, right. make things right. So, um, and the sim is okay. It's not quite as fun as playing iRacing online because there's nobody to race and, and, and there, it's not quite perfect. And there's some things that, they, like I say, they're trying to fix and make improve. Right. So where, how do you, uh, do, does that make it difficult to get in there and do it? Because it's kind of frustrating and you're not really working on this weekend. You're not really working on your car, your chances to go, go faster at the next racetrack. Yeah, we actually do a lot of work with that. Um, I've been lucky enough now the last couple of years to drive the Wheel Force car. And what is that? Tell us what the Wheel Force yeah, car is. Yeah, the Wheel Force car is a Wheel Force transducer. And it's a basically it's a, a, a set of wheels that go on a cup car that are completely, I mean, I'm pretty sure they can tell if I'm if I move wiggle in the seat. I mean, it, yeah. it literally tells you every bit of detail uh, of what's going on with the car, you know, through the wheels, what what's what's impacting the road and they can look at tire temperatures and, and tire slip and just all the details that make number one, our cars faster, you know, um, all the manufacturers have a car, all the teams then support that one car, but then also too, it helps Goodyear, you know, Goodyear's mm-hmm. trying to develop a tire that's, that's better week in and week out. And so we're giving them information of you know how much loads being generated into that tire and how much, how much pressure that tire has got going into the ground. And, and, uh, it gets interesting because, they're not cheap sensors, right? They're 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 really expensive sensors, and every time I go to the track, I'm always worried that you know, something's going to happen. Something. Yeah, you you crash that car, and it 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 gets really expensive really quick. Yeah, the wheel force car, basically, you'll go to a test, and uh, they'll have your car that you're say if you're a cup driver, you know they have the they have the car that you're trying to set up and get faster with, and then they'll have the wheel for, force car, and it will only make about a handful of runs yeah. throughout the day. There's a lot of big breaks in between each run for whatever reason. And um, it goes a little slower sometimes because it's got all this stuff on it. Uh, the big giant, those, the wheels with all the, all the stuff, transducers, is that what you call them? Transducers, yeah. <laughs> they look like they're really heavy. They are. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and very expensive. Uh, always kind of wouldn't run right, wouldn't run the exact line against the fence that I would run in my real car because I I was afraid I was going to hit the fence with all that stuff on there but um well and they stick out too they do I, so there's a bar that sticks out around the outside and it that's where they get all their temperature measurements from yeah. so it sticks out probably a good you know 5 6 inches yeah i'm trying to like visualize that. this uh, and 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 it seems like it would be it, it, it sounds like you're saying big and bulky and heavy heavy and, well and it and it also is heavy too when you're driving it and and to Dale's point you know, that because the wheels are heavier, it reacts differently. So, you know, especially, so when I drive it, I'm the only one driving it and I don't have a proper car to drive. So, you know, I'm just focused on that. So if you were to jump out of a car that you can go be super aggressive with and, you know, really push the speed and then jump into the wheel force car, which is how it used to happen all the time. I mean, I remember for years, that's how, even in the Xfinity series, when we did it, uh, we, we tested, we were one of the first ones to test at Iowa and we had two cars, a primary and a backup, and, and that was the deal. We did. Yeah. And you go like two seconds a lap slower, a second and a half lap slower with the wheel force car, and, and you're scared of that the whole time because yeah. they're all telling you how much those sensors are on the car as you're doing it. You know, So, so they, you want, do, they want you to know that. So you drive the wheel force car for Chevrolet. When they go have a cup test and the wheel force car goes, you're the guy. Uh, I was. Um, that's all kind of been put on delay, to be honest with you. You know, in the last – 
year or so, we've we've not really run too much because they were they were waiting Getting on all this for, the new, for the new car, and then with that car being delayed, mm. um, obviously the the tires are kind of locked in. Have you heard? It, will you go drive the new car at a racetrack? Um, I, you know, at this point, to be honest, I think probably a lot of the Cup guys that mm. would have turned down the Wheel Force car in the past <laughs> might might be more inclined to take that opportunity mm. just to get laps Seat in the new down. car. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I think that the the new car is very, you know, obviously we don't know a whole lot about it. Even even with me going and driving it some on the simulator, you, there's not a lot we know about it. You know, there's still a lot of unknowns, and, and um, obviously a lot of that's been solidified as as of late. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how it races. I'm yeah. interested to see, you know, just in listening to some of the feedback of the drivers that have driven it, uh, what, what does they think feed? about it. Um, it's just different. You know, it, it, it drives different. The way you attack things is different. Um, you know, just know, knowing what I know growing up around tires, right? I mean, I've grown up around racing tires my whole <clears> life. That's what my that's what my family does. And and when you, ex, ex, you know, take a wheel and you go from a 15-inch wheel to an 18-inch wheel, that's a big difference. We all got to be. Um, and that's my my biggest question, to be honest with you. Is, is Sidewall getting gonna, smaller and... Yeah, it How is more stiff. To you. you know, the the tire is more stiff. It doesn't have as much rotation to it, and and it just changes. It changes everything. Everything. You know, <laughs> it changes tire savings at Richmond, uh, just like this past weekend. Yeah. So the tire is the most critical part. I think biggest component that um, affects racing, and and so yeah, I'm 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 uh, cautiously optimistic, I guess, about the new car and the tire because the tire, like you said, the wheel's going to get bigger, so the sidewall gets smaller. I think the tire gets wider. It does get wider, yeah. So I don't know how much, but it, right, I think it's maybe so an more, inch or two. More contact patch, more grip. Should be more grip. Um, but yeah, without the with, with the sidewall gets smaller, it therefore becomes stiffer, and then there's less flex and less reaction time to slip. So right. that's what I've heard from most of the guys that test the car is. It's great, and then you bust your ass. <laughs> well, here, okay, a, a perfect so, example of all this is, you know. When when the bias ply tires kind of went out and the radial tires came in, it was a little um, bit the same thing. It was the same concept, right? Because a, a true radial tire, you know, is built. It's called a radial tire for a reason. It was built with the belt being in a in a perfect circle around it, very very rotationally stiff, and uh, there was no there was no feel, there was no uh, there was no forgiveness, right? Right. So if you remember when they when they first came out with the radial tire. There was a lot of complaining, right? Especially oh, yeah. guys that had been around for any t- any number of time. They were like, "I'm out. I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm Y'all quitting. took away my like, cover up. Yeah. I screwed up, and now you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean, guys were spinning out that were yeah. that shouldn't have spun out. They Good. were just yeah. random, boom. You right. know? And uh, I think that's that's where this is at. Um, not to that scale, obviously. There's just so many unknowns, yeah. you know. And I think that that's that's the sport of auto racing, though. You know, you look at you look at auto racing as a whole. I mean. When you when you look at the beach and you got a Hudson out there, when the you know when when the first proper race car came in, people were probably scratching their heads like, "What, what? the heck is that thing?" You know. <laughs> and then you got guys like Smokey Eunuch that just take it even a step further and go, "Hey, I'm we're just gonna or banjo or whoever." You know, yeah. they they go way off in left field, and then people are looking at it going, uh, "What what did that? What that's right. not what I got." You know. Right. Yep. So I don't know. If hopefully, I mean, I don't know how to say this without sounding. So if the tire makes the guys spin out more, maybe that's what they're wanting. Um, no, because, I think like listening. So I say that because listen to Clint Boyer. 
<laughs> he says, man, we, you got to have more cautions. We got to, no, you know, we don't have enough yellows. We don't have guys getting in trouble and maybe this car will be trickier. Um, like for example, wasn't it William Byron testing it at Fontana and spun out on the, like almost on the straightaway, down the back straightaway, down yeah. the back straightaway, like something must have been weird or broken or wrong, but, uh, for that to happen, but. This car also they square up the rear tailpiece, which takes away the the flat right, right rear quarter. Takes which, a lot of side which the car that. that we have now was supposed to do that, and then you know you, the car well, the Xfinity series has now. Well, no, 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 the Cup car they were supposed to be flat, and then you know you show up at the racetrack and you got you know an eighth and an eighth of an inch of skew to it. So they like well, don't bring that back, you know. And then you set the tolerances a little bit little bit more and then they show up with a quarter of an inch and you know it just it's they just it out. I, yeah, yeah i mean everybody everybody pushes and you know if the whole field shows up it it's of nobody's interest to tell them hey you you all everybody in this field has to cut your tail sections off and move them over so then when a whole group of them get by with it then you know somebody else does it and it's just the same reason why the old style car got so off center yeah well know. i'm hoping that they don't allow that to happen with the new car and keep those tail pieces centered and keep the quarter panels similar on each side so that they don't draw draw that straight right rear quarter panel well i think i think with the technology that we have today right like your cars today yeah right i mean looking at the xfinity cars out in the garage that you know i mean that with that plastic body uh, they don't really get to dry, you know. They you, they don't really get to twist that no quarter panel around. Well, and the Hawkeye too. You know, you you got the or whatever the OSS, yeah, the, the optical scanning station. I think is what it's yeah technically stands for. But you know, you got that where now you know what used to be. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking right here at the at the Nova and and I think about they probably had an overall. Yes. And they probably had a nose template, maybe. 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 You know, whereas probably you know, just some it's measurements, be, it's I mean, become more sophisticated. Yeah, I, I look at even <laughs> when I was racing the Arca series. You know, you you had a lot more templates, but in between those templates was like a heyday. I mean, there were <laughs> there were guys at Daytona Talladega that you physically looked, and there was a giant crease <laughs> in the rear seat pillar. You know, and you're like. <laughs> Man, I gotta, I gotta do a better job, you know. And they don't have a template that increases it. No, uh, yeah. Now, now every detail of that car is scanned with a, right. with a you know, a, a, a green light, red light, you know, different yeah. color scanners. And is that why it's called the Hawkeye? I, like, I guess so. I, 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 if I think originally that was the brand or something. Oh, is that right? And okay. then <laughs> that didn't work out the way they, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting to hear that you have this whole other life of testing sim work and all that for this um you know for the cup series well it's it's weird because i actually enjoy it um you know i know that sounds kind of odd but for me um you know i i had good people that helped me whenever i came in the sport and and my goal and and you and i have had this conversation because my my weakness in all reality is that i like to help people even when it's in my detriment sometimes and Mm. and um I like seeing people succeed. And, and so part of what I enjoy about the sim work is trying to help make it as realistic as possible because, you know, as we've, as we've gone farther along, you know, when, when I first came to Charlotte, North Carolina, my original contract was signed as a test driver. I didn't come here to be a Xfinity series driver or cup series driver. I signed a contract to be a test series driver. I just got lucky in the fact that a company got bought out and they couldn't put their name on a race car anymore, and that ultimately was what gave me a ride, right? I mean, that's just 
That's just how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and, and so, you know, I came here as a test driver. I didn't do any testing. It actually worked out to, you know, the opposite way of what I thought it was going to be because I thought I was going to get all this experience and learn. And then whenever I did make my opportunity to get in the sport, I was going to be prepared. And, and uh, it didn't work out that way. But nowadays, I mean, you look at the younger drivers that are coming up and, and it's hard to get experience. I mean, you know, iRacing has bridged that gap so tremendously for, for our young racers. But w- what is there past that, right? What is there you know, when you're looking at movement and doing all those things. And I think that that for me has been a big part of it is just trying to help, help our younger generation be able to jump in and do it, you know, easier and, and be more successful at it. So that's a good, you bring up some several good points. I mean, uh, the, I wanted to ask you about the difference of young drivers, uh, because you're a wily old veteran now. I mean, you've been, I know in, the I'm sport, old. <laughs> been in the sport 15 years, uh, probably. Right. I mean, it's been a while since you, you know, started, I mean, what year did you win the ARCA? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. So I started in 08. Okay. So I I was curious about the young drivers these days because now you get, you know, especially in the Xfinity Series, you you see them come in every year, and they seem to race differently. But you bring up a good point that they don't get the track time, the seat time, the track time in practice as, as, as you guys would have back in the day, right? Yes and no. Um so if you like my deal, I racing. Yeah, but like my deal. So whenever I came in, I was basically in the in the time of when they said basically no testing. So okay. I got here, and it was only so like my first year here was only testing at non NASCAR tracks, right? So we had to go gotcha. find tracks that weren't on the schedule, and then shortly thereafter, like that's when they said, okay, we're we're done with testing. You're just there is no more testing. Uh, I ran. I don't know how many laps. I I will say I ran it at the little Martinsville outside of Rockingham. That is a terrible drive from here, right? It is a lonesome drive to get out there and laps and laps and laps. And when you're doing radiator testing <laughs> in the middle of July on a hot summer day, you're just like, uh, what, what am I doing, right? Like, this is, this is miserable. Like, you literally run a full fuel run, 125 <laughs> laps. You come thing. in, and they're like, just stay in the car. We're going to swap radiators, and you're going to go back out and do it all over again. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, all right. But anyway, so so that all being said, um, you know, when I first – my very first race at Charlotte, there was like 63 cars tried to make the race. 29, I think, were guys that were going to run on Sunday for the cup race, right? It wasn't like it is now. It, you know, the, the interesting part to me is the young guys come in now, they got a shot to go win races, Right, mm-hmm. like immediately, you run your first race. You got a sh- shot to go win a race. When I came in, you were happy if you finished tenth, because you still were in the middle of all these cup guys, and and you didn't race disrespectfully, because you ended up oil tank deep in the fence, because you were racing guys that had been around, they had experience, and they had they had earned respect, right? And they weren't trying to earn respect now in the sport you got a lot of guys that are coming in and they're getting in cars that maybe used to be occupied by by cup guys they feel like or they or they they perceive that they don't have respect so they want to earn it right and there's two ways to go about that you can either race clean and you can you know be respectful but you're not going to get that wow factor you're not going to you may not go win races or you can push to no end and you know you're gonna make some mistakes. You're gonna you're gonna crash some cars, um, and 
you might have the opportunity to make a big a big splash and go on mm-hmm. and and get that next opportunity. So it's it's hard to it's hard to be upset at somebody because that's just the situation that we're in, you know. But I also raced against you know guys like Jack Sprague and Jimmy Spencer and and uh, the guys that would put you all tank deep into the fence, right? I got lucky. I I don't know that I ever got put. Me personally, I don't think I ever got put old tank deep, but I watched a lot of guys do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was just different. It was yeah. just a different time. So, um, coming off a pretty amazing weekend at Richmond, and the last—I mean, you won at Dover, and you've now swept the weekend at Richmond. What, uh, what, what changed? What you know, you, <laughs> you were—I you, thought you had great speed throughout the year. There were, uh, you know, Br- Bristol, super fast car. You're always fast at Bristol. Um, but what changed? I mean, you seemed – this to me, we had some conversations, and this has seemed like a really frustrating year at times for you. You turned it around and won three races in a very short period of time, you know, so – Three of the last six. Yeah, three of the last six, yeah. And here's the crazy part. Nothing's changed. Yeah. I didn't literally, think, literally I didn't, nothing's changed. <laughs> so how do you um, – do you go, uh, do you say to yourself, uh, yeah, we're getting the breaks. Um, things are, you know, we're not getting the bad luck. We're not getting the weird stuff that was happening to us. Uh, hubs going bad and weird things like that that would happen. And, you know, you, frustrations with teammates, uh, things like that. All that's kind of, you know, goes away. Winning fixes everything. It does. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know, at the, when it's all said and done, you know, I think that there's just a lot of things that have gone our way here lately. You know, and that you 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 both have been around the sport long enough to know that when it's your day, it's your day. You literally don't have to have the fastest race car. You don't have to have you know the fastest pit stops on pit road. You don't you know you don't have to pick the right lane on a restart. Like none of that really um, is the deciding factor, right? And and I tell people all the time, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. I've always said that. My dad told me that when I was a kid, you know, and, and he said, listen, he said, the opportunities aren't always going to be there, but that you better be prepared when they get there. Because if you're not, you're going to call it bad luck. And it's not bad luck. You just mm. weren't prepared. And And I look at 2020 and I say, okay, on this hand, I had all these races that we were prepared and the opportunities didn't come. And then I look at this hand and I say, okay, all the opportunities came and we just we weren't prepared, right? So, so I've been down both sides of that road already this year. In 2020, yeah. In 2020, right? Okay. And and you know, I, I you brought up teammate battles, right? So so you know, Noah and I obviously have had our challenges in 2020. But what's interesting about it is I'm not. I, I really wasn't even mad about what happened on the racetrack. Are you talking yeah. about Bristol specifically? Yeah, Bristol, Bristol specifically. But then even even afterwards, you know, the conversations that he and I had, and 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 Dale, Dale knows, you know, kind of what went on behind the scenes. And obviously, you know, there was there was a lot that went on behind the scenes as, as much as what happened on the scenes. It wasn't the on track issues that were the challenges mm. and uh, How, uh that's hard that's hard to believe because the on track stuff was pretty was enough to make anybody frustrated <laughs> right it, it, it was but it it was but it it wasn't right i mean there was just it just was it was it was a, it was an interesting time I, I i mean you know at the end of the day you know i i again going back to helping people you know my my goal has been to help people and and um, 
when Noah called me about the opportunity to come here to Junior Motorsports, what should I do? Should I stay or, you know, should I stay and do what I'm doing at KBM? Should I, should I switch and come over? You know, I told him then I said, I'll, I will help you any way that I can. You know, I'm hundred percent. I mm-hmm. will gladly help you. And I felt like I did that. Right. I felt like that was, I, I held true to that. And, um, so the on track stuff is what it is. There were some things that happened, you know, out of the car that, that made me mad, yeah. you know, and, and I, I was mad hundred percent. Mm. I was mad. Uh, but you know, ultimately I would say right now he and I are in a good place, you know, and, and it, it took not talking to each other for a good long while and, and not associating with each other. And, and now we're in a good place. He to... actually bought my lunch at, at Richmond. He, he, he no, bought my lunch. Yeah, he bought my lunch before we went to the racetrack. Okay, so I'm putting all this together. All right. So first of all, you, you and Noah had uh, on-track and off-track stuff that you had to sort out. And basically, s- separating yourselves helped fix that. My question, though, is if you would have won the first two races of the year, would, it, would all the stuff that you're talking about been as frustrating? Or was it the fact that you were not winning? You went you know the first 19 i went 60 races without a win 60 races without a win okay if that wasn't a factor how is it different then um because of the off-track stuff okay right i mean i think that's just that's just what it is right i mean it is what it is and um i mean the on-track stuff doesn't help i mean you look i blew up at daytona with aj right i mean flat i mean i that's the maddest i think i've ever been right but it wasn't. You were mad. I was mad. Oh, yeah. I'd never seen that. I'd never seen that. I mean, like, I, that was a <laughs> level of chippiness I'd never seen out of you. Uh, and, it, and, and the worst part was I wasn't even really mad at AJ. Really? I mean, I was mad at AJ, but it was like I was, I was just mad at the world. 2020. Just, yeah, 2020. <laughs> like, I was, I was just – I would have fought anybody that walked up there at that moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was ready. I was just I, – I was mad. Um, but it just – I mean, I think going to your point, yeah, it doesn't help when things have happened the way that they've happened and we've been close to winning. And, you know, you mentioned a hub failure. We had a hub failure. We had this. We had that. You know, things that just shouldn't happen, but they do. I mean, I I, I look at Bristol. In the last five races at Bristol, I'm not sure how we haven't won one, right? I mean, we had a cut tire. The hub failed. We had um, just stupid stuff that you go, man, that that can't happen this many times in a row, and it does. You know, I look at Phoenix this year. Uh, you know, you mentioned winning the first couple of races. I mean, Phoenix, we had the best car. Nobody could keep up with us, and and we made a pit strategy play, and the caution never comes out. You know, we get caution after caution, and then when we need one, we can't get one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just – I mean, we still held on. I think we finished, like, fifth or sixth with no tires. You mentioned Phoenix, and everybody knows you're fast at Phoenix. Were you uh, were you pretty excited to know that they changed the schedule in your in your favor? You know, I think that that you know, if you had the choice between Phoenix and Homestead, I'm sure you'd pick Phoenix. Oh, hundred all day, every right. day. Yeah, not not that I don't like Homestead. I just For sure. put Phoenix on the Phoenix. Level. Yeah, um, but here's my challenge, and this is everybody. You know, when they announced it last year that they were going to go to Phoenix, everybody's like, "Oh man, aren't you so excited?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm excited if I make it." Yeah, you know, but. There's only four of us that are going to go there, and you doubled your playoff points this weekend at Richmond. That helps. Yeah, it doesn't fix anything. <laughs> doesn't hurt. I'd, I'd like to have like 300, and then never <laughs> have to worry about a single round. I mean, I mean, how cool would that be if you could go into each playoff round and say, "I can't be beat." 
Yeah. Mm. Like I can't mm. fall out of the top four. That'd be awesome. I'd yeah, be down sure. with that. Now we can do that. I can go win it somewhere in the first three and I can go win it somewhere in the second three and I don't have to worry about it. But what worries you most? The two wild cards, you know, Daytona or excuse me, Talladega and uh the Roval. You know, I you're think you're pretty good at road Yeah, courses. but but I mean I think it's just you're just in that situation, right? I mean, there's so much stuff that can happen. Sure. I mean, th- those are just the places where you go, man. I I hope we make it out of there. And this is out of the playoffs, right? And then you go into the playoffs and you're like, ooh, mm-hmm. I have to make it out of there. I can't. I mean, it's, especially right now, as tight as all twelve of us really kind of are. You, there's there is literally. No way to 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 manage that. So. Especially this year, um, watching in the broadcasts, it seems like that there's like no respect, and the drivers are um, younger guys. Like they dump each other for no reason sometimes. Um, just seems like that. I don't know. You know, there was. I guess if you were out there, if I was you, right in in years past. You know, you'd be in this situation trying, you know, you got 10, 12 guys trying to move forward in the playoffs. There was, there was a limit to what you would be willing to, to do to somebody. Right. Now that limit's changed. 100%. It's, uh, what guys are willing to do to somebody and walk away and go, hey, that's hard racing. That's changed. What made that different? Is it the guys just being younger is it how the drivers are being raised as they come through their ranks um, before they ever get to Xfinity Series? I think that's part of it. But we, I think I think the biggest challenge right now is where, where are you going to go? Right? Everybody's looking at... So there's the opportunity, the next opportunity and the challenges of getting that next opportunity are what is what's making these guys sort of... Yeah, I, I think so. More aggressive I mean, toward each y- other. You think about the cup side right now. How many open seats are there in the Cup sure. Series? Right, yeah. there, there's not. I mean, there, there's guys that are literally quitting their jobs, right, mm-hmm. with cars because they feel like they need that that better ride. Yeah. Well, if you're in Xfinity or in trucks and you're looking to make that splash in the Cup Series, you're looking up there and you're like, well, if he didn't think it'll work, I don't think it'll work, right? So then you're like, well. I'm going to wait till the next open seat that the good open seat comes up. And now you, you look at right now, you look at, and everybody's like, oh man, who's going 48? Who's going to the 14? You know, is Clint going to stay in the 14? It, you know, and, and, but the, I mean, Jimmy retiring opens a seat, yeah. right? And I don't see, you know, Harvick or Kurt or, or Clint. I don't see those guys wanting to retire anytime soon. Everybody feels like they got. Nobody, want, nobody, nobody wants yeah. to retire early. Nobody wants to retire early. Um, so, all right, there's a couple things there that pop into my mind. The, um, the guys take, the guys that are betting on themselves in the cup series, um, Matt DiBenedetto cup, you know, a year ago or two years ago, quits the 32 car without a plan, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, without a sure ride, gets the 95 deal and that all works out for him. And he's in the 21 with the brothers car for the foreseeable future. Um, Bubba Wallace says that he's done a similar thing making a choice to to step away from richard petty motorsports and is without a real guarantee uh carol joy 
Just quit. did it. Yeah, just did the same thing. De- left the 32 car after a couple years of stacking pennies, as he likes to say, <laughs> with no plan. Um, he's got a little, you know, he's got people supporting him, partners and so forth to, to take to another team or another deal. But usually you don't leave programs without a plan or a, or a, or at least a verbal commitment from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you have, yeah, you do. Huh? Yeah, you do. You leave, you're saying you do I, leave. Listen, I've, I've been down this road. I know what it does to you mentally and physically. When you hit that point, Driving. you gotta, you gotta leave. Yeah. Like you got you got to walk away from it. Even though that you don't have a guarantee ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. What if you don't get your guarantee ride? Doesn't matter. What if you don't get another ride? What if I, you're I, sitting on the sidelines and you and you? Because it's like a out of mind, out of out of out sight, out of mind, mind kind of thing. <clears throat> um, Listen, they, I, I, this sport will forget about you. I don't care. Like in a minute. Yeah, I don't care. I, I, I'm and you I'm say you. you can say that now. At how old are you? Thirty. Thirty-four. Four. Yeah. Uh, you're still pretty young. You can say that, but if you were 24, 20, 28. Listen, I I went through this. I was ready to walk away. I mean, it just happened that we rode in the back of a truck together, and this whole deal happened. Yeah. But like, I was done. Can, can we just go ahead and say? I mean, are you talking about your cup? Your yeah, one hundred percent. You were Scott. ready to. So you had had such a difficult time with how that went and what your experience was like. Oh, 100%. That you were like, man, I'd, I, I'd rather be doing nothing than this. I despised race cars at that point. God. The That's, only exciting part for me was the fact that I knew I could come here mm-hmm. and I could go for wins in a championship. Yeah. But wait a second. That would then prove his point. that the w- How long between the end of Harry Scott to the beginning of Junior Motorsports did you go without knowing Without a plan, because he's saying you you would want a plan. Well, my deal was only one week. I got okay. I got notified that I was not going to be back in the the fifty one car, and I rode with Dale the next week at at Darlington, and like we had a conversation about okay junior motorsports and what you know what was happening here, what was going on, and there there I mean there still wasn't there wasn't he didn't say hey you want to sign a contract right here in the back of this truck, but you know at least there was there was a little bit of of hey you know what there are some good opportunities available but here's the challenge that you run into when i went cup racing it was the one of the coolest moments of my career right because that's what everybody wants right everybody wants to go cup racing everybody wants to feel like they have an opportunity to go and and compete our deal was really interesting because what we thought we were getting into um and even what really harry scott thought he was getting into of what we were going to have for equipment and just you know, we made a lot of changes. I mean, that this is the crazy part. So, so Phoenix Racing, James Finch, had an incredible program, mm-hmm. and they did things their way, and and they had cars that were, you know, they ran really good with the equipment they had. Well, we had some things that we had some alliances and things that when I came in, okay, so I run a few races. We had some decent finishes, you know, and finished top fifteen in the Cup side mm-hmm. a couple times before the end of the year. And going into the next season, I was excited, right? I mean, you can run top fifteen in a in a lower tier team on a cup side. You're you're really exceeding, yeah. right? So we made a bunch of changes. We 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 used different cars. We had you know, different people. You know, it's just a lot that changed over the winter. And uh, you know, one of the things that was interesting for me is what we thought we were getting. Well, that didn't work out. So then we were kind of left scrambling, and we had to get some cars. And the only cars we could find at the time were were Obviously Hendrick cars, but they were older. You know, I mean, we were 300 cars behind 
on our newest cars, we were 500 cars behind on some of our short track and, and speedway cars of what, you know, the, the Hendrick guys were running. I mean, 500 cars. You know, my, yeah. my, my speedway cars were like five. 503 or 563 or something like that you know my my newest car that we had was like 800 806 or 807 something like that uh, and that came right at the end mm. and uh you know we were just we were just behind the eight ball we didn't have the resources you know we thought we had kind of a a, a way to have some resources and then that deal went away and so then you're stuck in a bubble and in you know we were in spartanburg south carolina and i'm going to tell you this is not a knock on any person that worked at Phoenix Racing or H. Scott Motorsports. Um, every person that worked at those two organizations worked their tails off. I mean, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. Um, I look at Johnny Davis now, right? And and Johnny is now what those guys were in their organization. And you want to talk about grinders, oh. somebody that just puts effort and time. And, and yeah. no, I mean, they spend every penny they got, but, but, they don't do it, but they run on money. lean. Yeah, they, they run beyond lean. I mean, l- listen, I work when I worked for Finch. I mean, he had one pit crew pit two cars and right. during the same race one time. Right. He didn't care. No. He's like, I'm not going to buy another pit crew. I'm going to have the same pit crew. Well, what about if they pit on the same lap? He's like, Well, they're not going to. Right. We're going to make sure of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but you know, it just it did things for me uh, mentally that I I I don't ever want to get back to that place. Yeah. You know. So there's that part, right, with the guys in the Cup Series that are like, hey, I'm pulling the plug on on what's happening right this minute, and I want to see if, you know, if there's if there's a better deal, I'm going to take it. If there's not, I've, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. No right. way to live. Yeah. The um, Then you have the Xfinity guys that you race with every week that don't see their opportunities in the next level. Right. Chase Briscoe, right, he don't – he – Find, he 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 talks about finding out what his responsibilities are for the next season in December and and like at the last minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I mean, really, there was a there was a a real uh, question mark about whether he was even going to run this year. And you know what were they going to do with their organization with Cole moving up? Would they keep him? What would they do? Not have any Xfinity cars? Right, Cindric. You know, he says, hey, just because my dad works at it, Penske's not a lock for me to be able to go there. And, and obviously there's not any cars open at that team. They could form a fourth car, but they're right. probably not going to do that. He could get wedged into the Wood Brothers deal, but that would send Matty D out, right? Uh, which wouldn't be popular. Um, and so a lot of these guys, that, and like Noah, right, for example, Noah's looking up going, when's the door going to open for me to somewhere, right? 100%. Um, and, and and it's the, not as open as it I feel like it used to be. Right, and right? time's running out for all those guys, right? And I think too, you know, sponsorship. I mean, look, you know, I'm wearing a brand professional agriculture shirt, but but this shirt is a small piece of what really has been an, an incredible relationship for me, right? But but I know whether you win one race, no races, or ten races. You know, without their support, I'm not here in this sport, right? Because they went through this with you. They went through all of this with me. I mean, if you're talking about cup, they were with you on the cup team. Teams, right? They were with you before that, right? Yes. So they went with you even through the valleys and stuff like that, which is quite fascinating. If he's talking about like this is no place to live, and I'm yes, you can 
go out there without anything to do. But to do it with also a sponsor, a, which they're beyond a sponsor. The Brandt family is like family to you. Oh, 100%. Um, and they are family. They're not like family. They are family. They are yeah. family to you. And so they even went through that. I'm, I'm, maybe it's for another conversation for another day, but it's, it's fascinating how what, what their, the trajectory of their emotions would have been like going through this thing with you as well. Because they've stuck with you. 100%. And, and, and yet you were, you were bouncing in and, uh, uh, with it sounds like some, even a short period of time without real certainty on what your next stop was. Right. I, at one point, I debated going to work for Brand. Just, I'm okay. I'm done racing. You know, and Rick and I had that conversation. Is that right? Yeah. Um, why not? You know, if um, you would have left um, stock car racing, would you have went to work for Brand and raced dirt cars out in the middle? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, that's what you'd done. Yeah, I so mean, and, and and I I would say you know going even if even if you take that route and you say okay I would go work for Brand, you know I would still go back to and do the family business racing. right. And and be part of that, mm-hmm. and that would tie into the racing. I'd still I'd still race, but uh, it wouldn't. My outlook on racing is a lot different than most. Like, if if I don't ever win again, I'll be disappointed, but I won't be. It's not what has defined my racing career, right? Like, I, I'm. I don't know. I, I don't. Well, I I don't I don't look at the the successes the same as a lot of people do so like for me going to the cup side and being successful was going there and competing i mean you know the the top 10 we had at bristol was awesome right i mean awesome like i think we could have we we got crashed like with three to go and still finished seventh or sixth or whatever it ended up being right and and the whole splitter was knocked off of it i think we could have run top five had the splitter not not got, got knocked off of it you know late race restart but like i i don't I don't measure success by how we finish on the racetrack. Like if I leave this sport and I've, and I've been lucky enough to stay in this sport for the number of years that I have. And, and you know, I've been lucky enough to win a ton of races. Um, but the next one isn't going to define the rest of my career, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to define the rest of my life. There's still a lot of things that I want to do outside of racing that I think I can accomplish. Even if I race until I'm 40 or 45 or, you know, whatever that number is. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I look at it too. I mean, I you know, different than you do. Uh, you know, I look at my daughter and and you know what when you're racing and you're gone all the time, it makes that more challenging, yeah. right? I, and I've changed my perception of life when I had a kid. Kids you know, will do it, boy. They really will. I, I don't care what you do. I don't care I don't care if you um you know, you work a nine to five or if you're you know, your job is to be gone every day of the year. Kids will change your outlook on everything and and Mine has done that. I think one thing that people could learn, uh, people, I think one thing that drivers, young drivers coming up could learn uh, from you is the partnership relationship, the one you've developed with Rick Brandt. Um, y'all are like family. And, you know, you don't have to, I don't, if I'm talking to a young driver, you don't have to take it to that extent. I mean, that, that relationship not, might not organically be, you know, be a reality. But for drivers today in our sport, uh, I think it's real critical for them to make relationships with the CEOs of the brands that are on the side of their cars and the people that run those part you know partnerships at the racetrack obviously knowing every individual who's a part of 
that racing program for that business, but also knowing, you know, when the, when the CEO comes to the race or when the CEO comes to the shop, being there and, and welcoming them and creating a relationship with them and finding things in common that you like and can do together. And you develop these partnerships that last a long time because of that friendship. They believe in you. Like Rick, Rick Brandt will go wherever you go. You know what I'm saying? If you said, Rick, we can win races and and we're gonna take this wheelbarrow, and it's gonna you know it's gonna be the way to do it. He would probably go. You know that's a weird way of going about it, but I'm with you. We're gonna paint the wheelbarrow red. We are gonna paint it red. There's no oh, question. Yeah. <laughs> it is red. gonna be yeah. red. <laughs> but you know something. You, you, some a point to that that's interesting to me. Rick thinks that it's interesting that more CEOs and more executives aren't at the track. Yeah. You know, and 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 he thinks that it's well, he's definitely, it's odd. Makes right? himself available for sure. Oh, hundred percent, and, and not just to me. All the guys that work on oh, this yeah. crew, all the guys in the shop, um, people in this building. Yeah, I mean, just he is. Yeah. He is. He's just a yeah. people person, right? He's down to earth. But but here's the other part of that that I will say is, it goes more than just that relationship. You know, one of the coolest things for me. Probably throughout all of this, you know, especially this past weekend at Richmond. But one of the coolest things for me was the amount of text messages that I get from, obviously, their family, right? Their employees, their customers, their distributors, Mm. you know. I mean, But the fact that you even know that they have distributors. um, I've been there. I mean, we went and hung out with a lot of them, you know. I think I'm saying that that the lesson, though, is for the drivers of the cars the young drivers of the cars to know that detail yeah right? the distributor has justin's number yes right. to text in the first place yes. yeah well so, and, but i think too you know I, I look at okay when you came up right you probably went to some race teams that had sponsors yeah. right and, and i didn't have to get this i didn't have to put this at much effort in right i did not have to know the ceos or the distributors or their buddies uh, I didn't have I didn't I didn't have to go hunting with them or go on vacations, uh, know the family by name, none of that. I mean, there was, it was different. Some it was of a it a different time. Yeah, some of it happened, but I but think when I think too though, real quick though, I think the interesting part for me in all of this is is that when you look at what drivers used to be accountable for, yeah, right. There are still a lot of drivers that want to live in that space. Yep. Right. That's not viable anymore. No. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at a contract and you say, okay, I got, I need to do two photo sessions. Right. And if, and if they want a third, well, no, I'm not doing that. You're paying me a lot of money. Right. 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 And that's just, that's just not the way that it works, you know, and and that's just not how it happens. That's not not sustainability of a long term relationship. That's true. I think um, there's a, but, you see, so there's a couple, I'll name a couple of drivers that really work hard uh, to develop these type of relationships like you have with Rick Brandt. Um, Jeb Burton. Does oh, a great job. Yeah. Grinds hard yeah. with his partner. That's why I was so happy for him this week and finished yeah. second. Like, I knew on that last restart, if anybody wanted to win that race yeah. more than me, it might have been that guy oh, on yeah. the outside I, of me. I don't disagree at all. No. He works really hard on his partnerships, developing those partnerships, yep. treating those people Giving them, you know, going the extra mile. Um, Noah's gotten better mm-hmm. uh, at building relationships with his partners. This Black Rifle Coffee Bass Pro Shop deal, 
has they it's have blossomed became pals yeah. right i mean that that <laughs> organically happened um and now they want to you know they want to be a part of more with him so um uh cory lajoy that i mentioned does has, a great job yeah has a few partners in tow wherever he's gonna go uh because of the hard work that he's put in to cultivate those relationships and I just wonder if a lot of drivers understand that, that that's necessary. I think I'm not talking about cup drivers, man. Um, some should think that way. Yeah, <laughs> some should think that way, but I'm not going to tell them how to feel or how to think. Uh, Nemechek comes to mind. He works his guts out building, developing partnerships and keeping yep. them. Um, but a lot of the younger guys coming into the Xfinity Series, um, I think a lot of the truck drivers – do this already, particularly a lot of the smaller teams. Obviously, a lot of the smaller teams in the Xfinity Series develop and cultivate their partnerships on their own, uh, know everybody on their car by name. But uh, I think a lot of the younger drivers, if there was sort of a, you want to help people, you know what you could do that you're you, that would be neat is a seminar on that sponsor-driver relationship. Because mm-hmm. I think you do it as good uh, as anybody uh, because of the success that you've had, main you know maintaining brand is a it's hard to keep businesses in this sport and enter you know entertained in this sport and uh, you know and I think you could you could you want to you know you've 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 worked your you've worked hard to to help a lot of people to help a lot of drivers if you could figure out a way to get a breakthrough there yeah on some of these guys uh, you know when I was when I came into the sport. I was like you said. I was. I saw the. Here's my responsibilities. I'm gonna have to do this many appearances and this many meet and greets and this many photo shoots. And if I do that, I've made them happy. That's not right. true. You know, um, you got to show up to those deals with a smile on your face. But you also got to be personable. And 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 when you're caught talking to somebody that's a partner, you got to remember their name and and know their name and exchange phone numbers and stay in touch and stay in contact. Well, I think well, too, knowing, long. knowing people, you know, it's no different than in the shop. You know, and I, I come in here a lot and I hang out with these guys and it's been really weird, mm-hmm. you know, post COVID, you know, just because of sure. restrictions and all that. But, you know, when, when it comes to it, um, my, my goal, right. Is not to fake being friends with these guys. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to walk in here and they're like, oh, well, here comes Justin again. He's just being fake, you know, and doing whatever he's got to do. My goal is to when when you walk in this race shop, and I and I talk to each one of these guys, and I and again knowing you know family members or mm-hmm. what's going on in their lives or whatever. Hey, I saw you got a new truck outside, or you know whatever it is. You know those are those are real relationships for me, right? And and those are relationships that long after the the fenders and engines are gone. You know I hope when I'm seventy, right, I can sit down and we can sit by the campfire and we can have conversations about, man, how cool was it back, you know, 30 years ago when we were doing X, Y, or Z, right? And, and you know, I think that, that the interesting part for me is I've been lucky enough to be around this sport for long before I started driving. Um, but I've been around guys and, and, and you know, Schrader is one of those guys that you, you, you look at his career and, and he's the same he's the same as what you're talking about right now. Uh, he's 100%. a grinder. He's a gr- he was well before his time, but he made everybody feel like they were part of the program. And they and they he knew the value of people, right? Like 
no matter what brand is on the side of your car, no matter what your advertising what you're selling what you're promoting it whatever whatever your job is right none of that matters because it's all about people it's about the customer it's about the people that are buying the product it's about the people that are making the product it's about the people that are selling the product it's about the ceos that are writing you know the the they're they're telling their employees what they need to do that's all of this in this whole thing everything we do is all about people and that's you know that's my number one goal Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's why I I look at the way I do of, of racing because at the end of the day, if I have a good relationship with the people that work on my car and I and I you know do the right things with the people around me, the the success on track doesn't. I mean it matters, but it yeah. but it doesn't. And I, and my dad was listen. My dad, hundred percent, a thousand percent, was a great example for me. Right. I mean I watched my dad work his guts out to do things that most people look at and they go. Man, I wish I could. I wish I had that opportunity, right? Mm. Well, you could. You just had to work forty-eight hours straight and drive all night through, you know, and, and go find this deal here so that you could get something cheaper, so that you could, you know, trade it out for this. I mean, that's that's just how my dad operated. We didn't have any money, but we we made things work, you know, well above our means because he was willing to put in the work, and and uh, that's what's kind of driven me to be in the position that I'm in. I think I hope people see that. You know, I, I think. Um, you know, you named a bunch of drivers that it is so easy and obvious to see the effort and time that they put into it. If you truly look at it, it is so easy to see the effort and time they put into it. And it, and it makes me disappointed that more of those guys don't have better opportunities. Mm. For sure. Oh, I, yeah. I'm curious about something. You, and I know you got to run here uh, s- shortly, so I'll try to make this one quick. You said at the very beginning of this thing that it's sometimes to your detriment that you like to help people. Yeah. I'm wondering what you think. Well, first of all, what is the detriment? What, what 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 is that detriment? Two, what do you think people? What is your identity that you think fans think of you? Um, that I'm that I'm a snowflake. Okay, honestly, the, and, like, and, and, and you know you so? know how many people that it made mad that I got angry at Daytona. You, you're saying it made people mad that you were mad. Yeah, like it, they were mad and they're like, you weren't going to do nothing. You never you never have. You never will. You know, like you know. The biggest one was take your helmet off, right? Which, in the grand scheme of things, I probably should have. But I mean, it was what it was, right? Um, but you know, I I don't know. I like I I don't really know what people think of me. But like everybody's got a persona, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Dale Senior. You know, you either loved him or you hated him, right? And and that wasn't for me to judge. I I I loved him. Right? Yeah, that wasn't my style. Like I wasn't the guy that was going to drive in there and rattle your cage. Yeah, right. But I liked it. But then I like like Jimmy. I love Jimmy Johnson. Like the guy is an incredible person. Mm-hmm. People that get to know Jimmy, you walk away from knowing Jimmy, and you're like, man, that guy is like the guy, right? I mean, he's just he's just cool. And, and but but people accuse him of being too vanilla. A hundred percent. And do, I don't know why. Okay. Do people accuse you of being too vanilla? Oh yeah. But and I'm so okay then when you get mad, they get mad too? Yeah. Well, that's that's somewhat hypocritical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but but it's it, it's no, I mean. You know what's interesting to me on that? And the reason I kind of ask is that you're talking about to be real in front of your team and to be real, uh, you know, and, and to really want to know more about them and being a people person. Well, a human element is also getting angry and frustrated, which you've also exhibited this year. And yep. so, you know, I, I'm almost saying that should be something you shouldn't apologize for because if we want real – 
you you got to take the good with the good and the bad with the bad. If you're frustrated, <laughs> you can just as easily fake that to your detriment as well. Could you not? Yeah, I think so. But you know, I when it's all said and done, um, I work really hard. I work really hard to. Um, I work really hard to not be that guy. To not right? be the frustrated, angry guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I'm, I'm. There's no, I, I'm, I've never hidden my faith, right? Like I'm, I, I pray on the radio before the race with the guys. Like I try to be. Um, I want to make sure whenever I'm all said and done that I'm not a different person when I walk out of the racetrack mm. and I walk and get my rental car and I, you know, I, I drive home or whatever it is. Like, like what you see with me, I feel like is what. I am outside of the racetrack and, and who I am outside the racetrack. And yeah, I'm boring. Like I don't really do a whole lot. I, you know, I, I love hanging out with my family. You know, I love spending time with them. Uh, I, I like graphic design, you know, like, what do you think, mean about graphic design? Yeah, I well, <laughs> <up. laughs> well, I mean, I, I designed all my race cars when I was growing up and decaled all my own race cars. And, and, you know, I cut the, I cut the vinyl or printed the vinyl and, you know, st- I mean, back to go beyond that, your graphic design. Yeah, I mean, I I designed. Uh, no, I'm saying like w- when you say graphic design, what's fun for you to design besides? Oh, race anything, car? anything. Um, you know, my buddy Blake Cook. Last night we were working on some drawings for his son Carter for a T-shirt for for Carter for the motorcycle racing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, by the way, too, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, how cool was it to get filter time? In Victory Lane. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to get Brant in Victory Lane, too, just because I, I had won in everything but a Brant car lately. <laughs> but, but you know, we convinced Brant to switch races, right? We convinced <laughs> them to go to Saturday night because... Well, we we, we go- would have won either way. Well, I know that, but <laughs> in the moment, the time. <laughs> like, we had to unwrap the car after yeah. Friday night. And, and all I could think about post-race was like, man, I just hope I can win tomorrow because if I don't win in a Brant Rick. car, I'm going to be so disappointed. Like, I was so pumped up, and I mean, I FaceTimed Blake as soon as the race was over, and I was pumped for Blake, and, you know, and then the panic set in, right? Because, like, then you're going, <laughs> oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, I can't I can't win in one and not the other. Uh, and then I had only won in blue cars this year. I had one in a red car, so, I mean, I felt That's like I had, to, I had to get that done. But, but the, 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 the graphic design side of it, I literally, um, I don't, appreciate my skills i i wish i was better like i've even debated taking like art classes because i i would love to be better at it mm-hmm. um but i could sit down and, and it's cool now because my daughter sits down with me and and uh you know my helmet my playoff helmet has always been kind of mm-hmm. an extension of like my art right like she she enjoys that but now she'll sit down with me and she's like dad can we draw you know can we sit down and draw and mm-hmm. and it's fun for me you know teaching her how to shade you know to to mm-hmm. make things look realistic or yeah. or how to how to draw certain shapes or whatever. So I don't know. It's just been, it's been fun to kind of dive down that path and it doesn't line up. Like, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily line up with sport of auto racing all that much. Like, I don't know. He likes it, (laughs) but like people, people tend to, to kind of separate those a little bit. Um, I don't know why either, but I I think if you're a cool, like masculine race car driver, you're not supposed to be into (laughs) drawings. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know why that is, but, but I am, and I know lots of other people that are. I'm still, I'm still bummed though, because we're like five years into a relationship, and I still can't convince him to put painted tight skirts on my car. My man is the king of oh. painted tight skirts. Oh, you can't what? convince Dale. Why? Well, I, I mean, I've, what? I have, I have lobbied to no end, in in 
you know, in my deal. You're going to have to try to find another route instead of paint. I know. That's the problem. My, my, excuse me, my, my, my Brant Red yeah. is oh. paint only. There is no vinyl that matches it. Oh, yeah. Um, so painted side skirts are kind of hmm. So all tough. the cars that are Brant cars are painted? All of them. Man. We do not wrap a single car. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So it's a, it's an Exalta color that is, um, if you look, remember the flames for Jeff Gordon's car, it's yeah. actually the color. Same one. Same color. Yeah. And it's like, so my car is kind of odd because it takes like five layers of paint oh. to be able to make that color. You know, it's not, it is a hundred percent counterproductive for all of my guys that work on a race. Sure. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> they, they, well, that's uh, why they don't you don't complain. have painted side skirts because of the, that right there is so hard to. It is, it is. But I mean, I we could like alter a design to where you know the side skirt could be a different make color. Make them yellow. The we tried, yellow. we tried making them corn at one point. Black. The black num- is no. They're good. already black. That's they disappear. Dillner, Dillner, no. Black is no good. They do. They disappear. The car looks short and long. The car looks shorter, higher off the I ground when they're black. Like there's no side skirts, and I'd like that. Well, I mean, if you want to take them off. That would be okay if the nose wasn't low to the ground. Right. But yeah. then the car looks funky when you got to... Listen, if I could just race this car right here. I mean, if I could just... If, if we could all have that car... Honestly, I think your best, cheapest route is probably to make the side skirt yellow. Bring that stripe around. Bring that yellow around to the splitter. Make the splitter yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, we did. So we did, we did it. My, my very yellow. first car was black on the bottom. And or, so, like, it was, like, 10 inches up on the side. Yeah. And it was black. And it was cool because it, it had, like, you know, it, it, it went yeah. below. But the problem was is that it was black, and then it, it blended in. Yeah. But Or you could do white and then make the brand pop on the quarter panel. I don't disagree with that. But, but going back to relationships, um, you've met Carl, and, and Carl from Brand is, For the, sure. is the CMO. Yeah. And uh, he came from a brand identity agency. So, like, they created brand identities for corporations. Yeah. So, like, colors and designs and details are his, like, that's his thing. Yeah. And, uh, and white is, is not part of – I'm actually surprised we have yellow number. I really am, just based on – Look, they're moving it for us right now. They are now. moving it right now. They <laughs> like, are, get I a better it. look at this. They, but, uh, for the podcast listeners, we're literally looking out the, uh, the glass here and looking at the Brant car as we discuss it uh, and, and – the cornfields of glory down the side. Yeah. <laughs> they, they got cool. You love that when they came out with that design, didn't you? Yeah. 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 Good. People people to this day still are so mad at me that we don't run a um a corn number. NASCAR wouldn't allow it. So we had a number drawn up at one yeah. point that had corn kernels in it. That's and weird. Uh, NASCAR I don't was know like why. No. no, we had the corn rows, the corn stripes. No, we like. did have that, but we had a number with corn in it as well. Designed, and NASCAR said yeah, no. come no. on. Yeah, we need to do, get lobby them on that. Well, man, I know you got to get to the sim. You got things to do. Um, we'll get we'll get you on here one day and talk about your life. We just kind of had a conversation. <laughs> we we didn't yeah. hit. Yeah, we. Uh, but this was fascinating, yeah, and uh, sure. it, it, it is. By the way, just congratulations, man. Thank you. I mean, literally, we were so ecstatic. And he, by the way, Dale texted me on the Friday night win, and he's like, uh, "They need to put race winning sponsor <laughs> on my Hall of Fame placard." I like it. <laughs> hey, listen, I was pumped. I was pumped because I mean, I and I and I said this yesterday. Dale has accomplished so much in his career, right? You you, you gave me something but, I never heard. But I mean, would you have ever have expected <laughs> no. that? Oh no, never. I mean, no. It, I mean, just in talking to Blake too. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, right. this is this was fun to do, but yeah. but then when it it happens this way, you're like, 
Man, that's cool, you know? Oh, yeah. So. Hell of a story. Well, I just appreciate y'all letting me come on. I have uh, I've watched and I've I've seen it, all the guests come on and and uh, I love the behind the scenes of what what's going on right and um, I'm just I'm appreciative y'all let me be yeah. on yeah well thanks for coming on we enjoyed yeah. the conversation appreciate and it. I expect nothing less than a victory this weekend <laughs> hey why not three in a row <laughs> Bristol's your track you man you're pretty fast there I hope so more more I gotta more. I gotta I gotta not miss the bottom and let my teammate get next more to me. playoff <laughs> points <laughs> yeah let, let's let's leave Bristol on a little let's bit better go, terms go, with our let's teammates go get hey, more playoff points speaking that, of, speaking of trader he's right here there he is yeah that was by design that was by design all right cool all right buddy thank <laughs> Thanks, you guys odd history we head to bristol where tempers at least in the past couldn't get the best of a driver oh they still do a driver known to have a temper back in the day was curtis turner Hmm. Pops, as many called him, was known for being hard on his equipment, too. He was pretty abusive on his cars, and sometimes that included running into his teammates. In a race at Darlington in the late 1950s, Curtis was driving a Ford for Holman Moody. He was running alongside teammate Joe Weatherly. Curtis kept knocking the hell out of Weatherly, according to Ralph Moody. So on the next pit stop, Moody told Curtis if he kept driving like that, the crew would not pit him. Turner went back on the track and drove as hard as he could. And true to their word, the crew refused to change his tires when he came back to the pits. <laughs> Turner drove out of the pits and hit the wall in protest. <laughs> but it wasn't over then. The next day, Turner was still mad at the way his Holman Moody team treated him. So he took his brand new Cadillac and drove down to the Holman and Moody shop and proceeded to crash right through the garage door, back out, and drive away from the battered racing shop. I cannot believe that. That you sounds like if fiction. Noah Gregson got pissy and that sounds like pure fiction to me. But if that's true. Wow. Right. That's uh, a little aggressive reactions. In fact, uh, I mean the Cadillac had to be a little banged up too. I would imagine yeah, before you go imagine. smashing it through, through the garage. Last call. Last call. This week we had a guest back in the house. That was nice. Having yeah. guests back in the house. In the house. Yep. <laughs> what would you say? Back in back at the table? We had guests back in the studio, right? Back in the studio. Yeah. In the studio. Because yeah. this isn't a house. I it guess. is. I guess yeah. it's not. It yeah. threw me. This week, we also welcome a former junior motorsports driver back in 2021. Sam Mayer returns to drive an Xfinity Series car out of our stables. If you remember, Sam drove for our late model program. With our veteran Josh Berry and fared pretty darn well. He's had some success in other cars since then. Uh, he's won races and a title in NASCAR's KN Pro Series. He's currently the points leader in the Arca Menards East and Arca Showdown Champion standings, not several wins in that series. Mary has also made six truck starts in 2020. Very similar path, I guess, to, to William Byron. Sam's coming back through the Junior Motorsports building in the Xfinity Series. Man, I'll be honest. Feels good. Feels good. Having guys come from our late model program, go out, do trucks and Arkham, whatever they're going to do, and then come back to the Xfinity Series, it feels great. Yeah. Dirty Mo Media website. Yes, we have a cool website. Uh, you can access the podcast. You can access some of our video content. Mike also writes some content on there. You need to go read what Mike's writing, boy. Yeah. 
He's stirring up the pot. <laughs> Check it all out. DirtyMoMedia.com. Dale Jr. Download is on TV Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. The Ernie Irvin Show was awesome last week. I think you'll enjoy Justin this week. Half miles bring the smiles. A little trivia. We head to Bristol this week, one of the coolest half miles in America, but it wasn't the first. Any guesses, Mike or Leah? On what the first half mile track was? Uh, I got nothing. Nothing. I had no Winchester idea. Speedway in Indiana opened in 1916. 37 degrees of banking. That's significant. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of banking. At, at first, I think it was 45, and then they reduced it. It was designed by a uh, famous promoter, Frank Funk. What a name. You may remember the name Frank Funk from Lost Speedways. Funk was the promoter of the Deadly Jungle Park Speedway. Winchester and its sister track, Salem Speedway in Indiana, are still going strong today. Winchester 400 coming up October 10th. There you go. A couple of wild racetracks in Indiana. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> Indiana. All right, guys. That was a great show. Appreciate Justin Algar making some time for us today to come over here and just have a great conversation. That was just fun just to talk. The open segment, a lot of fun there. Uh, Ask Junior. That was good, too. Bristol this weekend. I can't wait. Xfinity Series action, Cup Series action. We're going to be calling it all. And then hang out on Sunday. Nothing going on on Sunday. I like a Sunday off every now and then. Yeah. Only eight races to go in the Cup Series, and season's going to be over. Mm, something. Kind of not crazy. ready for it to end. Me neither. All right. Well, hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Take it easy. This bit of badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.